You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. My name is Barry McBride. I am publisher of the OBR and your host here each week is we talk about your Cleveland Browns. Um, hopefully you accept them as yours after last weekend, but uh, uh, we'll just assume that you're still a fan of the Cleveland Browns after that 38-15 to 15 slap down by the New England Patriots. Uh, I'm here to uh, route your questions to Fred Greetham. And Fred Greetham, of course, is the man, beat writing legend for the last uh, several decades, uh, hanging out in Berea and bringing us the latest news. Thanks for taking on that task, Fred, and welcome to the program, sir. Good evening, everybody. Glad <laughs> to be here. It's a kind of a cold, wintry night here uh, where I live. Kind of been on the nippy side. Supposed to get out almost freezing tonight. I think 32 or something like that. Decidedly not baseball weather, or at least not baseball weather in Cleveland. Uh, I guess we don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Guardians tangentially a little bit later in the show. Uh, we're going to try to focus more on the upcoming game against the Ratbirds. Uh, we're going to talk about the season in general. Uh, we're not going to dwell on the 38-15 slapdown of the uh, Browns by the Patriots. Uh, hopefully you watched Monday Rewind at this time on Monday, and uh, those guys went over it, and Jake went over the details, the gory, horrible, awful details uh, yesterday in Chalk Talk. And we're going to start to flip the page and take a look forward to the uh, uh, next game. Um, so a couple topics I want to talk about, but let's keep in mind that uh, this show is really your show, uh, more than Fred and Fred's show and my show. Uh, we want to respond to your comments and your questions uh, and uh, find out what's on your mind rather than go over the things that we want to talk about. So hit us up with questions and comments, and we will certainly respond to them the best we can throughout the course of the hour. Fred, the first thing let's do is let's talk about uh, the injury report. Uh, the most serious thing that I heard today is that Wyatt Teller's calf injury sounds like the calf injury he had last year, uh, which kept him out for a few games. And of course, Denzel Ward, as highlighted there, uh, is out with a concussion. Other than Teller, uh, who are the Browns you're most concerned about not being able to play uh, next Sunday? Well, yeah, Teller – I didn't talk to him. He was at his locker when the interviews were going on. I overheard him telling a couple of the reporters that uh, he didn't think he'd play this week. He said, and that was 2020. In 21, last year he played in all 17 games. In 2020, he got kicked in the calf against the Colts early in the game, like first quarter, and he ended up missing four games. Um, he said it was similar, but it wasn't as bad. That one affected his Achilles. This one doesn't affect his Achilles. But the fact that he said he unlikely didn't, would play means to me he won't play. Stefanski right. then said that he's doubtful. He didn't want to rule him out. Doubtful to me means he's out. Now, then you have the Bengals next week. 
and then you have a bye. So that tells me he's probably not going to play either game, and they would hope that he would come back, you know, after the bye, November 13th against the Dolphins. So <clears throat> that's just the way I read the tea leaves. If if he's okay to play next week, I'm sure he'll play. They have an extra day on a Monday night. But if there's anything close, I would expect you would give him another week um, just to make sure he's completely healthy. So that's all I know there. I would think he will not play this week. Um, Clowney be the other one. I mean, they took one of his injuries away from him. I think he had ankle, elbow, and shoulder. Well, there was still two on the injury list. I see just one there, but ankle is what kept him out before. I think they took the shoulder one out. I think he just had one in a second appendage. I think it was elbow. But I saw him briefly walking down the hall. I didn't see a limp like I did last week. Um, but I would say, besides Teller, I would say Clowney probably won't play. Conklin said he would play this week when we talked to him Monday. Uh, uh, Garrett said he would play. Um um, so it's all, and if he's still in the concussion protocol, which I assume he is, then he could be out again. All right. Well, we'll see, uh, see how that develops. Uh, you know, this time of year, you're going to have a bunch of people out. I mean, Do you have the Ravens. Life. Yeah. Uh, according to the Ravens, uh, they have, uh, Dobbins didn't practice today. Devin Duvernay didn't practice today. Morgan Moses, our offensive tackle, fullback, Patrick Picard, guard Ben Cleveland, defensive end, Calais Campbell, and cornerback, Marcus Peters. But uh, Campbell and Peters most likely are just resting. So, I mean, Dobbins being out, Dobbins has not been effective this year. Well, Mark Andrews, yeah, he's not 100%. They got, I think, Gus Edwards coming back, and they got um, – um, Kenyon Drake. So they've got three or right. four other guys they're rotating. But I was most concerned about Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews. Bateman came back to practice. I heard another beat writer on the radio saying for the Browns, mm -hmm. saying that Bateman wouldn't play there. Mark Andrews was the one I was most concerned with, but I read the transcript. And John Harbaugh said he's he just was being arrested. His knee was being arrested. So great. He'll be out there, and that's the one that wreaks havoc, you know, with the Browns. He's got double the catches of anybody else on that team. He's got 39 catches through like six games. Yeah, the, the Ravens wide receiver core is nothing to be concerned about uh until they play the Browns. And then when they play the Browns, someone will undoubtedly step up and have their best week of the year. But uh, Andrews is a guy who's burned the Browns, like you said. Uh, he is a dangerous, dangerous player. Um, Fred, how do, you, how do you go about trying to stop a dynamic and talented type in like Mark Andrews? And what, what, what can we do? Well, if you remember last year, especially that game in Baltimore, I think they ended up losing 16 to 10. Um, 
they intercepted Lamar Jackson four times, and I believe all four he was trying to throw to Andrews, at least three of the four. They bottled him up. He 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 caught some passes, but they did a good job against uh, the Ravens in both games. If you remember the game at home, uh, Jackson got hurt. JOK chased him down. He threw a pass, but he ended up injuring his ankle and he was out for the rest of the year. Um, for the most part, they kept him under control and Andrews. So that's the thing that you hope they can carry over. I mean, John Johnson was asked that today and they said, yeah, hundred percent. That's what we, we thought we did a, a good job against them last year. So they haven't been doing a good job really against anything this year. So, so you hope that they can, mirror that game plan if you remember last year they lost 16 to 10 because they couldn't score you know baker mayfield again had a bad game you know they needed one score to win the game several times and chase mclaughlin missed a field goal after the first drive after they drove all the way down the field and kind of killed the momentum and again it was one of them one score you know losses so that's what mm-hmm. we're all expecting the defense to keep them in games this year. And you just need the offense to score enough, you know, to win the game. It's not been that way. So, yeah, I think that the attention's got to be geared to Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. Obviously, if Bateman comes back, that's going to that's gonna add another dimension. They did sign, uh, I think, 36-year-old Deshaun Jack- Jackson and uh, – if you remember last year, the Raiders did kind of the same thing and they threw him out there against the Browns and he, he caught a bomb, but I think it got overturned, you know, either a penalty or he stepped out of bounds or something like that. But they're, they're trying to get their receivers because that's been their weak spot. So hopefully it'll be weak spot. Another, another week. (laughs) Yeah, we could, we could handle that. Another weak spot for Baltimore has been their fourth quarter defense. Uh, they this year replaced heralded defensive coordinator Wink Martindale uh, with uh, their old linebackers coach, and he sort of changed the structure of the defense. Uh, they're no longer really a blitz-heavy team. Um, they sort of rely on their defensive line to create pressure, which sounds awful an awful lot like the Cleveland Browns' relatively ineffective defense. Um, they've given up a lot of double-digit leads. Uh, they've had double-digit leads in every single game. They've blown three of them uh, in the late going. Uh, and their fourth-quarter defense is nearly as bad uh, as the Cleveland Browns. So uh, the Ravens are not without their weaknesses. Uh, basically, Fred, uh, should we uh, expect offenses running up and down the field in the second half on Sunday? You know, stay tuned for, through the entire game, even if the Browns are down by 15 points. Well, I definitely think, at least from the, you know, Browns aspect, the way the defense has collapsed, because we've kind of seen that that same pattern here. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, in a, in a second about the defensive coordinator, you know, you always maybe don't want what you're wishing for because I think the Ravens wanted to get a new defensive coordinator and they probably wish they had Martindale back. He's doing right. very well with the Giants. And, and um, you know, and a lot of people want Joe Woods out. And you don't know what you would have and everybody, Oh, he, anybody be better. I think it's on the players. John Johnson summed that up today that they we've seen them play well. So how about, you know, pulling it together and doing so. And so, yeah, it, I don't think the Browns are an explosive offense, you know, with Jacoby Brissett, they're still not built to come from behind. I don't know if they'd come from, two touchdowns down late in a game like some of these mm-hmm. other teams have. Maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, you know, the Bills are a different story and and uh some of the other Miami, some of the teams they played. So yeah, it it really's you know, this NFL is so hard, you know, to predict. You kind of thought the Browns would bounce back after, you know, the Jets and the Chargers. And it seems like it's spiraling a little more. Yeah you know, the wrong way. And so you hope if you're ever going to get your attention, as I wrote this week, you got two games that you can turn your whole season around against two teams that really aren't beating the world right now. I mean, the Ravens and the Bengals are good teams, but both of them are beatable right now. So how about putting all your focus in and getting – the Ravens game this week, and then maybe take your chances at home on Monday night football. And you could be out of this at four and four back in first place. And everybody's mm-hmm. feeling good about you because now, you know, you're going into the bye with three games left before Deshaun Watson. And if you could just win one of those three, you know, you're at least in a chance to make a run, you know, in the second half of the season. So, you know, that's, that's what I say. All points ahead, like laser focus, do whatever you can to win this game and, and defense just zero in on Lamar Jackson. He's their leading rusher. He's their leading passer. He's pretty much their offense. They did that last year. They kept him under control and this should be where a JOK and a Jacob Phillips or, are those speedy athletic guys that aren't so big that they took out because they were getting run over ought to be able to go get the quarterback, you know, right? because their running game up the middle hasn't been dominant. So like you said, their running game has been Lamar Jackson. So how about go get him and keep him under control, make him throw the ball and, you know, and maybe you can force turnovers. I think he's thrown six interceptions through six games. You Mm -hmm. know, that's, that's more than he normally does. So he's shown that he's got some chinks in his armor. You know, last year, um, the Browns got their butts beat by New England. And uh, a couple weeks later, the Browns went down to Baltimore to play the Ravens. Uh, they uh, did very well on defense. Their defense suddenly turned around, it seemed. Uh Jackson was held to 165 passing and 68 rushing yards, and they intercepted him, I think, four times uh, during that game. Um, 
just an incredible turnaround. You know, with the way that this team is constructed, their defense is constructed, do you think that there are any odds of a replay of that sudden turnaround in the defense against a team like Baltimore? Yeah, I think anything's possible. Like I keep saying, I saw these guys do this last year. It's the same guys. I mean, minus Anthony Walker. Now I know he he's an inspirational leader, and when he was playing, he was playing well against the run. But against this team, now they might run between the tackles this week like crazy, but they're known more for Jackson running the run-pass option where it's more on the outside. And if they mm-hmm. can continue to keep the in tackle to tackle kind of bottled up and force what they did last year, and that's where I think if Clowney can play, you know, that's a big if. Him and Garrett can contain the edges, and then maybe Deion Jones can add some life, you know, in, in replacing Anthony Walker, you know, in the middle. But I think a JOK is made, you know, to track – with his speed and athleticism, a guy like Omar Jackson. A lot of times we saw a couple years ago before they had the speedy linebackers, he just took off and they just didn't have a chance. They're just chasing him and they're getting further and further behind him. So you got some athletic guys, you know, even the safety and Delpit, you know, these are, these are games that I think they can, they can do what they did last year. You know, there's no reason they can't. You know, you four interceptions. If I'm, if I remember right, I think they only got like three points off those interceptions. It was, and it might've been in the first half. I mean, it was ridiculous. They were turning the ball over and the Browns could do nothing with it. So one uh, touchdown Jackson got, you remember he scrambled and rolled around, around, around. Then he just heaved it in the end zone to Andrews and caught mm -hmm. it. And Miles Garrett went and shook his hand and, Everybody got upset about that. And, you know, they only scored 16 points. They had, you know, the touchdown and I think three field goals. So you would take that every day against them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they've been scoring over 20 points pretty regularly, uh, but giving up, uh, giving up a lot of points as well uh, with their reconfigured defense. Um, So, you know, you're giving me a smidgen of hope heading into Sunday and curse you for that because uh, the Browns will undoubtedly make me pay for having any hope (laughs) going into this game. Uh, But, uh, you know, it gives us a reason to watch. I mean, what happened in 2021, uh, the Ravens' own problems in the fourth quarter, giving up points. Uh, There's some reasons to watch this game. And uh, uh, we will be live before and after the game and uh, be reporting on it throughout on uh, Sunday. Let's talk about Johnson's comments, which he referred to before. Um, Johnson said, I've got the quote written down here. He, he said, it's a commitment thing. When practice is over and our day is done, you can't just run out of the building and forget about your job. I think we need everyone in this building to really be 100% on the task at hand. Right now, I think we're at a place where that's not the case. So, for a team which supposedly has built itself around the mantra of tough, smart, accountable, um, these players, according to Johnson, don't seem all that accountable. 
You know, it, it doesn't seem like the coaching staff has instilled them with this unstoppable desire to win if what Johnson is saying is true. Um, this is giving me an excuse to rant for five to ten minutes, so I won't do that. Uh, but uh, simply ask you if you think that this is an indictment of the coaching staff, uh, that uh, uh, these guys are not 100% focused on, uh, you know, the good of the team. Well, I do. Um, you know, this it's kind of like soft love approach where a positive reaffirmation, obviously – I don't get to see everything going on in the meeting rooms and behind the scenes, right? but Kevin Stefanski is just monotone, even keel with the media. I, I see him at practice, you know, and he's encourager and all those things are positive, but I just don't see any, you know, accountability for, you know, we're going to fix this. And then the next week it's not fixed. Nothing changes. You know, we asked him today, any lineup changes? Well, you know, and he said, yeah, if there's injuries and stuff like that. And it's the only thing he pointed to is maybe we're, we're hoping maybe Dion Jones will be ready to play some this week. Right. So I just feel like there's no threat of losing their job or, whatever it might be. I mean, the only discipline I've seen, you know, he made Perry and Winfrey inactive. Those are things you do to a middle round draft pick a rookie. They cut Richard account today, but I thought they already tried to get his attention when they demoted him to the practice squad. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but I would like to see a little more um, tough love, like, get in somebody's face or if you, if you're not doing that, put them on the bench, you know, you know, if they don't do their job, I, I just, you know, I'm tired of hearing, yeah, we got to do better. We got to fix it. We know what the problem is. We just got to get it fixed. It's just the same, you know, you're six games in and they're still saying the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one thing to say that you're, um, organization fosters accountability. But the hard thing, you know, uh, if you've ever been a boss of anybody uh, or run a team, is actually holding people accountable, right? Which is to do things that probably don't make them happy, like benching them or demoting them to the practice squad or whatever it happens to be or getting on them in practice. Um, I mean, that's hard. I mean, for guys like me, especially, I just, you know, I want everybody to like me and all that sort of stuff. It makes it hard to manage a team uh, when you don't want to be in the in the business of holding people accountable. You know, you let them get away with stuff. And uh, I, I guess that's the question I have about this coaching staff. Not really a question for you, Fred. Just a question I have in, in general about whether, uh, you know, we got a bunch <clears throat> of nice guys here who uh, – want to be liked more than they want to uh, uh, discipline their players. Well, it's both sides of the equation. We saw with Freddie Kitchens, he let, you know, OBJ run around with, you know, watches and, and different shoes and stuff during the game, before the games and 
it, yucking it up with everything. Greg Williams came in in the middle of the season. The first noticeable change I was Monday, the first practice, there was no music out there. And it was blaring away all the time, you know, prior. Mm -hmm. And that's just a little thing. But, man, it might have been totally what they needed that time. But there was there was no funny business, you know, from the for the rest of that season. And the same roster went, what, three and five? They went five and three or there's a tie in there somewhere. But it was like night and day. Now, I don't know if that's in Stefanski's persona at all. But right. you would like to see. And, and I do, beside the coaches, you got enough guys with sp- experience getting paid a lot of money that need to be leaders. Right. And I said, I've said this to a couple guys watching practice and, and don't get me wrong. These guys are nice guys, but it almost seems to some degree that Barry is brought in and I don't know if it's on purpose, but they're more soft-spoken do what you're told guys, the Nick Chubb, well, he didn't bring in Chubb, but Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Denzel Ward, the the guys that are kind of your, your stars are not rah-rah, you know, guys. And there's no Jarvis Landry on this team. He, he kind of was fiery. And there's no, you know, guys like that. I don't know who is the the – getting your face leader on this team. You know, Miles Garrett isn't like that either. He Mm -hmm. says stuff that's like, you know, okay. But like, but I'm not seeing the players take it on themselves. Anthony Walker was somewhat like that, but still a lot of them are easygoing guys. And I, and I think that's what they would like, you know, but I don't know if it's translating. I'm not saying you got to be a, a big loud guy to be the leader, but you got to, sometimes it takes a little more get in the face and, and let's get serious here. You know, our season is in the balance. Let's go, you know, not, Oh, well we got next week. Oh, well we'll do better next week. You know, I just don't see fire. It's old fast. You know, and that's, that's what you want to see is some fire. And it, it, it went fine, you know, early in the year when, or even last year when you win or you lose close, but now you're starting to, now you, now you want to doubt a little bit after what you saw against the Patriots, you look at Bill Belichick's team and they have like no stars. I mean, on offense, you're playing a third string rookie quarterback, cookie cutter, plug them in. And they just, make mincemeat of you, you know, and you're like, how does that happen? Why don't you guys get mad and say, we're done with this. We're going to go out there and shut them down. But the more they did, it just kept getting away from them. So I don't know. I don't know the answer, but as a leader, you would like to feel that Joe Woods, Kevin Stefanski, they had the answers because believe me, we hear the same thing every week. You know, it's almost carbon copy. You know, after a loss, well, we got to do better. We'll get it corrected, yeah. but you don't see anything corrected. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just part of being a Browns fan. That it seems like we care more than the team does, you know, 
Uh, we care more than the players do. We're up there getting angry and mad at what's happening in the game, and we don't see that fire and passion on the field. Um, and maybe we do need a couple of either a tough coach or a couple team leaders added to this roster uh, to try to change the uh, to try to change the, uh, the the attitude and the mode of operation of this franchise. I I don't know. We'll go into we'll the franchises. The, go ahead. Look at the baseball team. They got a bunch of guys you never heard of before this year, other than Ramirez, and they find found ways all year to win games at the end. And the Browns have a bunch of big name guys, and they find ways to lose at the end. You know, and you'd think it'd be the opposite that the young guys would get all uptight and they would mess up. And here you got the Browns with a bunch of stars, big payroll. And they find ways to to let games get away from, you know, the Patriots to me are similar to the, you know, to the Guardians in the fact, you know, you got a a Hall of Fame coach. Guardians have a Hall of Fame manager, but has them knows how to get the most out of them. And they all work together for the team. And with the Browns Mm -hmm. right now, it just seems like a lot of individuals doing their thing and pointing fingers at each other. And now everybody's taking the blame, but nobody's fixing it. Everybody, after every game now, it was my fault. No, it was my fault. My fault. My fault. We don't care whose fault it is. Get it corrected. You know, exactly. or put that guy on the bench. You know, exactly. I'm tired of seeing these guys fall on the sword. We don't <laughs> care whose mistake it was. We don't want to see the mistake. You want to see you know, them go out there and, and do their job. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, that's for sure. Um, I'm marking questions for us to jump back into uh, here uh, in comments for us to jump into here in a second. One thing I want to uh, reference uh, as soon as I can find it on my list here is uh, Mr. E. Gillen, who has uh, gifted five subs tonight 200 subs gifted overall. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, we uh, we aren't airing advertisements during these shows or we don't keep them just for subscribers or anything like that, you know, in terms of trying to turn them into money. And, but we've got some people out there like E. Gillen who have been supporting us with their uh, gift subscriptions and so forth. And it just means a lot to us. So I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, and uh, uh, I won't belabor it further than that. I do want to talk about the Guardians and the Browns. Um, Fred, I mean, you made the point that, uh, you know, the Guardians have uh, a lot of inexpensive, young, energized personnel. The Browns have a bunch of uh, very well-paid, what seems to be listless personnel. I mean, the, the other thing I'd say, and I wrote about it this morning on uh, in the Daily Newswire, is that uh, the Indians are at a permanent disadvantage. I mean, if there's, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, the Guardians are at a permanent disadvantage. If there's any one franchise that would just cynically just try to milk things for as much as they can, it would be the Guardians because they're up against monoliths like the New York Yankees that can basically buy whoever they want for their team, you know, with no limits, there's no parity. There's a very tilted playing field for the guardians. The Browns on the other hand had this perfectly level playing field 
you know, and they find always find a way to uh, not succeed. They always find a way to fail where the guardians on that tilted playing field seem to always find a way to be competitive. And it, it begs the question, especially with some of the media stroking the fire right now as to whether the Cleveland Browns, which have, who have always been the heart and soul of Cleveland Browns sports fans or of uh, Cleveland Northeast Ohio sports fans, um, could at some point lose their place, right? After all these years of failure, uh, the Cavaliers as well, young, energetic, exciting team. Do you think either of those teams could ever threaten the Browns as sort of being the predominant teams for fans in, in Northeast Ohio? For a short time, but, you know, I've seen it over and over uh, that I, if I had a nickel for every, I'm done with the Browns, you know, when they cut Bernie Kozar, I'm done with the Browns when they went one and 16, I'm done with the Browns when they went one and 15, I'm done with the Browns when they got Johnny Manziel, I'm done with the Browns when they got Deshaun Watson, you know, over and over, they tried to kill off the fan base with that one and 31 deal under Hugh Jackson. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was like whack-a-mole. We want to get rid of all you fans. You know, we're we're going to do everything we can to get you to leave. This is the worst football I've ever seen. You know, I'm sure most of our people watching, you know, you'd go home, after, you'd watch a Browns game. I'd watch a Browns from the press box. Then I'd go home and I'd see another game. I'd go, they don't even play the same sports the Brown does. You know, right. the Browns are so bad. But yet they're still here. We're a testament of this. They've tried the fans' patience over and over. If you if you did it by the product, if you went into a restaurant and got food poisoning every, you would not probably ever go back. But yet that's like what the Browns are doing to you. And yet we go back and the back and back. I just think it's a Browns town. When the Cavs, I was covering them when they won the championship, close to mm -hmm. a million people downtown. I told everybody that would listen. I said, if the Browns ever do this, I bet you there'd be five times or more people there because those were all Browns fans there. They, they're, right. they're Cleveland fans. They were, they got on the Cavs train. They got on the Indians train. I mean, I've never covered the Indians. I've covered the Cavs. There's not the fan base that there is with the Browns. I mean, the Cavs can be horrible and they were recently and you have, you don't have nearly the fans. I mean, we, we ran a, a Cavs site and we had some right. dedicated people, but it wasn't like, like it is with the Browns. I mean, so that's just my, no, I don't think, you know, I mean, the, the ownership, I mean, they moved the team. They've tested this fan base so many times. We all know we got the shaft. This really isn't the Browns. The Browns are who they're playing this week, the franchise, mm -hmm. and it's never yeah. been right since they come back. And and we thought that with Stefanski and Barry and even with John Dorsey that they were starting to turn it around and getting the right players in here. And expectations were through the roof after that 2020 season, and they played sub-500 since. And you can't scratch your head and try to figure it out. I think it is about team playing together. You watch, remember that Falcons game a couple of weeks ago? 
They bring in a guy off the practice squad. I never heard of Caleb Huntley. He's running over these high price guys on the Browns, like nothing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's something to that youth and, and uh, you got to have talent. Sure. But, and I'm not picking on Denzel Ward, but if you pay the guy a hundred million, don't you think that that side of the field, nobody should ever catch a pass for a hundred right. million. Think of all the cornerbacks to ever play in the NFL, and he was the highest ever paid. I know that's the there going rate, but I'm like, okay, maybe you could get 20 guys for $5 million a year mm-hmm. than one guy that's pretty good, but he's not the end of the world. You know, right. he's, he's out as much. So, I mean, I'm just saying maybe it's not all – getting these big name guys, you know, Bill Balchick's, but you got to be the coach that knows what you're doing and put them together, put them all together. And then look at Mac Wilson. I don't think he did a whole lot with the Browns. He's starting and he's playing pretty well for the, for the Patriots. They, they take the, the misfit toys. So, so to say, and end up making it work over there. Yeah, they do. It's frustrating as heck. Um, you know, Wilson made a, a good play uh, over the weekend. You know, he's still in there. Chase Winovich, uh, I guess, hasn't been heard from. Um, at any rate, what I'm going to do is I'm going to shift now to going over some of the questions and comments that we've gotten uh, since uh, the start of the program. If you've got more, keep firing them away. And uh, we're going to try and focus on that for the last uh, 20 minutes or so of the program. Um First one I want to reference here is from Superfly Rob. He says, if the Browns don't win the next two games, can you see them moving 2023 free agents that they do not appear willing to re-sign, like uh, Hunt or Johnson, maybe Conklin or even JJ3, who is not a free agent? Just move out some of these expensive contracts, guys who are underperforming if they lose to the Ravens and the Bengals. What do you think, Fred? Well, if they feel they have replacements, you know, and if you're not, bringing them back no matter what like when you look at hunt you could say okay we have jerome ford or we could bring back dearness johnson at less contract than hunt hunt has not been used a lot this year but he has not you know been great you know in the time he's been out there conklin i think that's what you drafted james hudson for you got to look at him do you think you know, you can play at the same level with him, you know, safety. I, I don't know. I, I've been disappointed with Grant Delp, but I was expecting, you know, a big time safety. I know he's young, but I haven't seen him make a big difference. He had a horrible um, game last weekend. If you draft, you, huh? Delp had a horrible game you know, by his account own admission got last cut. weekend. Well, Count got cut, and he was the safety drafted. You have DeAnthony Bell, who um, was an undrafted guy. I'd almost like he could be one of those young, hungry guys that you could see what you got there. But, yeah, I'm, I guess it really comes down to what they think, how much they think Watson will make a difference. If, the, if they believe the season's over at 2-6, and six, which I think would be um, – yeah, they could they could start moving those guys. I'm not sure is the trade deadline after the eighth game when they're on by or or is it 
later. I'm not sure, but um, whenever it is, you don't see that as much in the NFL as you do in baseball and other sports. Right. But um, I don't know. This, this organization seems to be slow to make moves. I don't know if they would get anything worth the while. They can just mm-hmm. let the contracts expire. You know, Hunt's on the last year and Conklin's on the last year, I think. Johnson, they, they'd have to do something there, but who knows? Hopefully yeah, they don't some, lose the next two. Maybe some last-minute scrambling for draft picks to uh, try to uh, refill that uh, their quiver after trading for Watson. Um, Fumble 13 points out that he had uh, LeCount for 100 in the Deadpool. So he wins. So congratulations to him. You know, we got we when we announced on this show, we when we announced on Twitter that we were doing the show tonight. Uh, one uh, frequent member of the chat room uh, begged us to spend an hour talking about the Lake Erie Monsters. But I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know a darn thing about. Uh, I don't know anything about hockey. Um, at any rate, uh, let's see here. Uh, Fumble 13, we put a question in the buzz this morning about whether this will always be a Brownstown. He's convinced that it is, like you are, Fred. Uh, so he uh, he agrees with you. Uh, let's go to this from Tysock15. Uh, he is expressing wonderment uh, at the notion that Kevin Stefanski said that they are making no changes on defense uh, today uh, other than they're hoping to get Deion Jones uh, into the rotation. Fred, do you, do you think that's legit or do you think he's uh, just would never, if he was going to make changes on defense that he wouldn't admit it to the media? Well, I think he's talking about, yeah, I think it's personnel. I don't necessarily think it might be that they're going to make some changes in scheme, you know, to try to shore mm-hmm. up specifically for Lamar Jackson and that, but what could you do at this point? Okay. Um, almost every backup has bigger questions than the starters. I mean, I don't know who, like I said, DeAnthony Bell's the most intriguing, but I don't know if you want to throw him out there, a rookie undrafted, you know, against Lamar Jackson. Um, it's mostly the injured guys, you know, are you going to have them back? And that's what I said, depth. I don't know what you have. You know, in some of these, Deion Jones could supplant Jacob Phillips, um, mm-hmm. but I still don't expect him to take over the play calling and be out there the whole game. Tyler Davison, I could see him being promoted from the practice squad. I don't know why you brought him in if you weren't going to use him. He's not like he's a rookie or developing. I think he's four or five year veteran. So, um, when they say lineup, it's more embarrassment. You know, they they call a guy a starter, but he might play the first play and not play the rest of the game. You know, JOK right. did not play as much as Sion Taki Taki the other day because they were that's that's where uh JOK is a little slight and they've been getting hit against the run. So maybe Dion Jones will be in there more against the run, but maybe JOK this week will be used more because it's more of a you know, Lamar Jackson type game. I don't think Sion Taki Taki can run with Jackson like, like JOK can or Jacob Phillips. So, you know, 
Yeah, it is what it is. He doesn't say a lot. He's not going to tell you anything anyway if he did, was making changes. But the NFL, it's kind of other than have him run through the, the hoop for the starting lineup doesn't mean much. It's all matchups and stuff like that. Right, right. Uh, going back to the questions uh, that uh, and comments that we had, um, Superfly Rob, uh, he asked us before we actually went on to this topic uh, about players hurrying to leave the building, but he asked whether it's a culture or a coaching problem. Uh, I think we, in our winding discussion on that, Fred, I think we sort of came down and landed on both of those. You know, that it's it's both there's a problem with the culture and there's a problem with the coaching uh, the way that we see it. Am I being fair or uh, am I misquoting uh, your part of that conversation, Fred? I don't think you can just it's just not one answer like, yep, it's all in the players. Yep, it's all in the coaches or one right. coach. It's it's like I said, I've seen them play this under the same coach last year. We were kind of raving about the defense in seven of the last 11 games. They gave up 16 points or less. I mean, that's winning football. And one was against the Ravens. And, and so why can't you just do it again this year? You know, if it's because Mm -hmm. the other team looked at the film and said, Oh, that's what they're doing. Then, then they have to counter with that. But what I'm saying is the coach did it last year. The same players did it. You know, really the only guys you don't have are the two Maliks, and they let them go because they weren't very good, is what they said, basically. So either the guys playing the interior are even way worse, um, and Anthony Walker, I mean, but they didn't think highly enough of him to re-sign him before he became a free agent. They let him walk and test the market, and then he came back on a one-year deal. So... I guess what I'm saying is we saw it last year. We've seen the defense play well. Why? What is the equation? Is it the it's that leads me to believe it's mindset. It's want to will to, do you really want to be good? Then go do it. And part of that's what Johnson said. Let's put in the extra work and let's all come together and dedicate ourselves to being a top defense. Right. <clears throat> right. And uh, the dog cookie, very emotional about this issue as well, uh, that you can you can tell a couple of comments about this. I want to I want to highlight um, as soon as I can find them here. Uh, Fumble 13 saying sometimes chemistry is more important than talent. And we have E. Gillen's comment that uh, analytics can't measure chemistry and motivation. Boy, is that true? Is that true? I mean, if you're doing everything off of a spreadsheet. You can't tell you who leads this team. I don't know. Maybe they've got some metric for that. I don't know. You know, leadership over average or something like that. Who knows? But uh, I doubt it. I doubt it. And maybe this is a weakness of a uh, analytics-driven uh, organization <clears throat> that they don't think about chemistry that much. Uh, Ty Sox 15 writes in and uh, asks, uh, do Jones and Davidson appear to have some passion uh, I haven't read that in the material about them. I haven't heard that about them. Uh, Fred, you've seen them stretch. <laughs> Is there stretching filled with passion and uh, focus? Or uh, have you heard anything about this? 
No, I don't really know anything about Davison. I saw him in the locker room, but um, yeah, Jones, you know, I know he came out and he was a emotional leader for the Falcons early in his career. And then he kind of, kind of seemed like, at least if you read the, the scores from pro football focus or whatever, that he wasn't playing very well, even last year, but mm-hmm. I'm, I think they're hoping that a fresh start, you know, would really reboot his career because he had obviously a lot of talent. Maybe this woke him up a little. Think of a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, wherever he came from, they gave up on him. And he's been nothing but like lights out since he joined the Steelers, you know. So, you know, I'm not expecting Jones to be the answer to everything, but if he could just, play as well as Walker did, if not better, that would be a big jump. Think about this. Here's a guy who was a second round pick pro bowler um, on a Super Bowl team only like five years ago. He has much more credentials than Anthony Walker or Jacob Phillips. So you would think he'd be able to play as good, if not better than both those guys, but maybe not. I don't know, but that's what they're hoping that he would not be the be all answer all, but maybe part of the solution. If he comes in and can shore up a little of that running defense and some of the other guys, like they're saying, they all pull together and turn things around. You think about this, it's a woe is me deal, especially after the Patriots game, but you know, they would have won another game or two that they should have won. I mean, who can explain losing the Jets game, you know, and even the Falcons or the chargers, just, just one of them games in your three and three. And it wouldn't be like, Oh, we're the worst team ever. You're right. right. You're tied for first place. So that's how thin this is. And I'm not saying the Browns would have won the other day, but even that onside kick, you know, one of the players is brain dead. The one guy's got the ball and the other one goes out of bounds and touches the ball. So that cost them getting the ball there, you know? And it's like, you, you're right there in the game. If, if you have the ball on their side of the field and you score again, five, six minutes to go, it end up looking like a blowout because you turned the ball over twice in the last four minutes and they scored 14 points. So yeah. Yeah. They're not that far away. What they got to be careful is not to just let this spiral out of control. And that is what could happen with a loss this week. And that's why I think everybody be, you know, kind of back on the, the bandwagon with, with pulling it all together, all three phases and win a game this week against the Ravens. It's very winnable. We've seen the Ravens. They've, they've not got it all together this year either. Right. Wins uh, get rid of a lot of angst, and uh, we are full of angst right now uh, about this Cleveland Browns team. Question from uh, Ty Sox again. Uh, he's wondering if the LeCount movie is a baby step toward changing the culture. Uh, haven't heard always wonderful things about Richard LeCount and uh, his approach. Uh, do you think that uh, maybe here is a little slice of accountability after – 10 warnings and, you know, 14 times sitting in the corner. Well, finally cutting a guy that you drafted, first guy that you – now they cut him a couple of weeks ago but brought him back. So it looks like they've parted ways with him at least for a while. Um, 
I don't think it's moving the needle because these guys are around him and know why it is. I think right. some of these young guys, what the problem is, you know, is late to meetings, oversleeping. You know, they're asked to be there early in the morning. These are college age kids, and some of them just mm. sleep in, turn off their alarm if they even set one, don't get in on time. Um, <laughs> that's what Justin Gilbert was always doing when he was here right. and he was a first round pick. So, you know, that's what accountability, but you'd like to see that maybe with a bigger name player, you know, might take, you probably remember like I do watching college football, you know, I always remember like the night before a big bowl game, Woody Hayes would suspend like a star player or something. Mm -hmm. Oh, geez, they're done now. Well, they go out and play better and they win, you know, and I'm not just saying it always, you know, it's like sometimes they had to get refocused, you know, and woken up. And I think that's what the Browns need to some degree is somebody gets slapped in the face, you know, that so they don't aren't looked at as boy, we can't we can't win without them, you know. They mm-hmm. say next man up, but sometimes when a guy's not playing, they act like, oh, we can't win now. We don't have this guy. Yeah, exactly. There's not a lot of faith in the next man up in a lot of cases. And when you have exceptional athletes like Miles Garrett, you can understand it. But in some of these other cases, uh, it's a little bit inexplicable. Uh, comment from Kyle Mitchell on YouTube. Uh, he says the coaches may not be having a sense of urgency because they're trying to keep the locker room intact for the arrival of Deshaun Watson. You think maybe there might be an element of uh, taking things a little bit uh, uh, in a mellow direction, just trying to keep things together until Watson gets here to save us all? Well, first of all, I, I don't – to put that all in perspective and expect him to just, you know, walk off after two years out, and lead them to six wins in a row. Yeah. I think is is a far fetched tale. But the thing is, and and I've been told that they would have made this move even if he couldn't play all year. They're looking at the big picture and they're excited about 2023 and beyond. But with that said, you're in the moment now. It is very difficult to just throw this season away. And that's what they're on the verge of doing. If they lose mm-hmm. the next two games, I feel like they have thrown this season away. But they will still welcome him back, and they will try to play to win those last six games to get on a roll to to get the momentum going, so to say, if nothing else, for the offseason to attract free agents you know, and get the excitement going for 2023. But it'd be a shame – if you got too far out of it, you know, if you're only like three and eight at the bye and you go four and two or five and one, well, you end up eight and nine or something like that. You don't make the playoffs, mm-hmm. but you feel like, wow, we're heading in the right direction. When you could have had a little urgency in these next two games and put yourself into a position to still make the playoffs. Can you imagine how exciting it would be? If they are, you know, five and six at the break, which you'd have to go three and two from here on out, if my math's correct, would get right. you to five and six. That's not a big take. But if you're five and six, 
and you went four and two, you're nine and seven, you know, and or nine and eight, you could win the division still if you win the right games. If you Mm -hmm. heard me early after the first four games, I said these next four games, they need to go two and two. And if I could only pick two games for them to win, it'd be the Ravens and the Bengals. I would really like them to win one or both of the other ones to make sure they got two and two, but that's where they're at now. They they're own two in those first two. If you mm-hmm. win these two, you're right where you need to be. You're four and four going into the final three games without Watson. And if you could win two out of the three, you're six and five. If you win one out of three, you're five and six. You're right there with a chance to still make the playoffs. But if you don't, if you don't go into the bye, you know, at if you go in the bye at two and six, your season's over. Right. In my opinion. Right. Because that means you lost two more division games. See, that's why it's so important. You win these two, you're three and oh in the AFC North. You'd be the only team to not lose in the division. And then you have Watson for the three games later in the season in the AFC North, and you can win the division just on your AFC North five, six wins. So right. I just feel like that's why this is so crucial. And I asked Stefanski about, and he's going to give you the flat line, but, but show some fire and impress on these guys. You've got to give all out to win this week. This game is so important. And then worry yeah. about the Bengals the next week. Exactly. Let's get some fire under these guys about this Ravens game. They absolutely have to take this game. Uh, it is key. Uh, question from Arbor Hatch. He asked, do you see any possibility of the front office telling Stefanski to give up play calling and focus on game management or telling him to reconsider or consider making a DC change? Uh, front office, meaning Andrew Barry, I guess. Uh, I think there's two, really two questions there. One is front office and the other is Jimmy Haslam. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Andrew Barron, Kevin Stefanski are really on the same page. And I think Haslam likes that they're working together and they get along and compliment each other. He would be the the wild card is how patient or impatient is Jimmy Haslam. I saw him at practice today talking with Andrew Barry, taking mm-hmm. it all in. And sometimes you start to see guys like that, they distance themselves from each other um i don't know it can go different ways you know as far as they weren't it isn't like barry brought in stefanski even though they work together fine um Mm -hmm. i do think that barry or i mean stefanski would be the first one to go if if a coaching change is made as far as at the end of the year right with that said i think everything is they're very slow to make moves I don't see a Hugh Jackson situation where they're ready to blow it up in midseason. It did work out that year. Rarely do you see it work out, you know, right. when you fire a coach. They're just kind of limping through and playing out the season, trying to get a jump on hiring their next coach before that guy gets hired by somebody else. But, mm. yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just – I, I see them slow to make moves here. You know, they, they just are long-suffering 
in three years, they got the same, basically the same coaches on both sides of the ball. You could look at that as the continuity. That's great. Or you could look at it as nobody else wants these guys, you know? And so they're just all, you know, staying here. So I don't know. The, uh, that's the, the very last thing I want is Jimmy Haslam forcing the issue because the owner by, and this is not unique to Haslam, but the owner by definition is not a football guy in most cases. Uh, Haslam is a pilot flying J guy. Uh, and uh, having him wade in and make decisions like that just really <coughs> is nightmarish from my perspective. Well, and I, um, I think he likes to stay out of it, and to his credit, that you haven't seen him involved, mm-hmm. and he's he, he wants Deep Podesta and Barry and Stefanski to be the guys making the decisions, but he has to look. He was sold on all, you know, Deshaun Watson, all these moves, the payroll they've put out is obviously willing to do that. But when you got to be, like I said, you look at this and you say, what do you, what do I got from two and four? You know, are you kidding me? I thought, so you're buying time because everybody's looking at the Watson. We don't have the quarterback. And I do think he would have made a difference, you know? Right he would have won a couple of these games that they've lost just because they would have put up more points instead of, you know, the jets being 30 to 17 with two minutes to go, it might've been 37 to 17. And then even though they were totally blundering, they still were able to hang on to the win on the deep. So that's, that's the wild card that is coming into play. Barry could be saying, look, Jimmy, we don't won this these two games, if we would have had mm-hmm. our quarterback, what what are we supposed to do? The NFL, they told us six to eight games, and then they gave them 11. So now we're really behind the eight ball, which they are. Yep. And basically the NFL said, we're going to ruin your season. And I don't think anybody expected Reset to really play that great. You were just hoping him to manage games and not lose games. And he did that until last week. But the right. defense has been the – problem with the team all year yep that's yep. what nobody expected yeah yeah we were we we thought that uh, problem had been solved hey uh chat username uh thanks for the the comment uh and please come back with your question next week we're out of time this week but it's a really good question that i think that we could spend some time on um you know uh hopefully following a win against the uh Baltimore Ravens this Sunday. Let's let's hope at least. At any rate, we're out of time. Thank you, Fred, as always, for your wisdom uh, and uh, your knowledge coming from the fields of Berea. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for attending, for your comments, for your questions. And uh, we will see you again next week on OBR Weekly. Good night, everybody. See y'all. Thanks.